This Sunday we have the account of Jacob and Laban, as well as uh, Jacob marrying his two wives. We continue to see Jacob the deceiver, and who lives constantly fighting. Earlier, for the earlier part of his life, he was constantly fighting with his brother Esau. Uh, even when they were in the womb, we remember that they were fighting one another. And uh, that it came to head in our story last Sunday where Jacob finally had to flee from his brother Esau because of the hatred that Esau had toward him because he deceived their father and got the blessing for himself. And now here he is uh, in the land of Haran serving his uncle Laban. And the same thing happens. Now, one might say, well, Jacob didn't do anything wrong. It, it's Laban who, who does, does things that are wrong. And, and that's true, but we remember Jesus' own words that from Luke 6.38, for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And we see that uh, here in the story of Jacob. He deceived others, and now he himself is deceived. That doesn't make it right what Laban did by any means, but this is the, the life that, that Jacob chose for himself, one of defeat, deceit. Uh, we have a couple proverbs in English, what goes around comes around right and so the whole life of jacob is one of constantly struggling and fighting and a big part of the reason why is because he refuses to put his trust in god he refuses to trust the promises that god gave him at bethel uh, and instead is is continuing to live his life as if, well, he can handle things himself. And that's part of the problem, too. It's Laban is the one who tricks and deceives Jacob and who is greedy. Laban is very greedy in this account. Uh, that's something to keep in mind. It helps us to understand a lot of what's going on here. But Jacob doesn't go to God and put his burdens on God and, and ask for God's help and, and trust in God. He keeps trying to handle things himself and so things just really just keep getting worse and we're, we're going to see how that finally ends in him running away from Laban just as he had to run away from his brother Esau and it's not until that night on the east side of the Jordan where he finally learns to, to put his faith and his trust in God and so you know long gospel here that attitude that I can handle things on my own, uh, that I can do things myself, that I don't really need to worry about God uh, in my life. Uh, we see where that attitude ends up, where, what it gets us in life instead of uh, putting our trust in him and going to God as Jesus encourages us to do. Come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Uh, Jacob learning to trust God might not have changed Laban's attitude. It might not have solved all his problems. Uh, later, when we see the the disagreements and the resentment between his wives, Rachel and Leah, uh, Jacob learning to, to put his trust in God might not have solved all the problems there either, or all the other problems in his family. But it certainly would have helped, and it would have given Jacob that peace that he needs from the Lord and uh, putting him in a, in a place where he's better able to help his family members to show love towards one another. When we, as we go back to the, what Jesus said, Luke 6, 38, with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you, right? When we 
pour out love and forgiveness in our life, we often receive back love and forgiveness from others. And when we pour out deceit and trickery and hatred and resentment and and greed and selfishness, when those are the things we pour out of ourselves, and well, that's what we receive back a lot of times as well. And that's what we see in the story of Jacob. Sorry, getting back to simple simple law and gospel, uh, we uh, have a tendency to think we can do things ourselves instead of trusting God. But God, even in such a sinful situation as, as Jacob finds himself, even in, in a situation with, with all these problems because he hasn't put his trust in God, God is still at work to bring everything for the good, as he promised us in Romans 8, uh, all things work together for the good uh, of those who love God. And, and God certainly continues to bless Jacob and to fill Jacob's life with his grace and mercy and even uh, to bring the Savior through the family of Jacob and <clears throat> bring the 12 sons of Jacob, which is the, the foundation of the nation of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel, is going to be very important. So, yes, it's Jacob's own attitude that spills out of him and fills his life with the same attitude from others, even to the point where he has to run away from Laban just as he had to run away from Esau. But God's in the background the whole time uh, blessing Jacob just as he promised. So Jacob uh, leaves Bethel. Bethel. The Bible says he heads to the east. Um, he heads north first. It's it, the land of Iran is quite a quite a long way north of Canaan, where he was, but it, it's also to the east. Um, so both are both are correct. He heads up there to the east, and then he finds these people standing around waiting for the the cover to be removed from the wells so they can feed their flocks. He asks them about Laban. He's looking for Laban. They tell him, oh yeah, we know him, and there's his daughter Rachel coming. Uh, when Rachel arrives, he kisses her, and that wouldn't have been unusual to, to greet a close family member. Remember, Rachel is his cousin, so that doesn't necessarily imply any romantic feelings at this point, or any romantic kissing, but uh, family members greeting each other, he greets her with a kiss and tells her who he is, rolls uh, rolls the stone away to, to help Rachel uh feed her flock and Rachel runs back to tell her father Laban. Laban comes running to meet Jacob. It's been 97 years uh, since Rebecca, his sister, right? Laban is Rebecca's sister. Rebecca is, is Jacob's mother. It's been 97 years uh, since Rebecca left, since uh, Laban's seen his sister. So he's pretty happy. I mean, that makes Laban pretty old at this point, right? <laughs> but uh, he's still pretty spry, apparently, because he runs to greet Jacob. He runs to, to greet Jacob. He welcomes in <clears throat> welcomes Jacob into his home. Uh, Jacob stays with him for a, a month, and then Laban says, well, just because you're my nephew, it doesn't mean that you should work for me from, for free, so <clears throat> what, uh, what should I pay you? And Jacob has felt, fallen in love with Rachel, so he says, well, I'll work for you for seven years, and the my payment will be Rachel. And that's not unusual in that day in culture. It was uh, normal for the groom, or at least the groom's family, uh, to pay a bride price, uh, almost to the point where they were, <clears throat> it was almost to the point where, okay, I'm buying your daughter uh, to be 
my wife. It usually wasn't put quite that crudely. Uh, it probably came from a tradition of, okay, giving a present to the, to the, the wife's family because they're, you're receiving this, this, this wife, right? And you're, you're happy to receive her. She's a gift from God, right? A, a wife, a spouse is a gift from God. And so it probably <clears throat> started with a tradition of, well, we, we want to give a, a gift to the, to the wife's parents, uh, in appreciation for their daughter and but then you know our sinful nature has a tendency to twist things from bad to good so it became this this bride price however seven so this was normal okay you got to pay but jacob doesn't have anything to pay for rachel so instead of giving laban money he's going to give her give him seven years of service this was quite a high bride price uh one year of service would have been probably more appropriate instead of seven but uh jacob is happy to pay it he's so in love with rachel and and laban is happy to take it and this is probably what leads to the deception after seven years and the bible says that jacob is so in love with rachel the, se the seven years seem like a day after the seven years rachel's father tricks jacob and gives him leah as a bride instead and it would not have been hard for laban to trick jacob this way uh the the bride in those days came not just lightly veiled, right? When when we get married, the bride usually wears a veil, but you can see right through it. But in that day, it was a, a much heavier veil that you wouldn't have been able to see through. And it didn't just cover the face, but it would have covered uh, the whole, probably almost the whole body. In fact, uh, in Africa, they have a tradition where I was part of a wedding, so I, I witnessed this. They have a tradition where uh, the man comes uh, to get the bride on the on the day of his wedding and the family sends out one woman uh just covered you you can't see anything except her feet just just covered in 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 cloth in a, in a thick veil like that and the groom has to know oh no that's not the one and it's kind of a fun thing they're not actually trying to trick the groom it's just kind of a fun thing like he has to figure out which one is is actually the bride so they send somebody out and he, oh no that's not the one and then they send somebody else out and no no that's not the one and in this case it was the third one that came out that oh that's my bride there and uh i i think i asked the guy afterwards and he told me that that she had told him what kind of sandals she'd be wearing so he he knew who it was but by looking at her sandals but it's not always the third one it's just kind of a fun fun game they they do over there anyway so it's not hard for laban to to trick jacob he uh, uh leah is covered in a veil a thick veil and she comes to him and they get married and she lies with him and late at night when it was dark so again he, he wouldn't really have seen her in the morning he finds out he was tricked he confronts laban about it and laban gives this excuse that well the older has to be married first again this is probably greed on the part of laban uh, it's a way for him to get seven more years of service out of jacob after jacob does marry rachel we find out that laban is very keen on jacob staying and serving him because laban knows that god is blessing him because of jacob and it's kind of like Laban or Jacob is kind of like Laban's good luck charm in a, in a sense. He he knows that as long as Jacob works for him, uh, his flocks and everything are going to grow and be greatly blessed. He probably knew that at the time of the wedding. I, it's very possible that Laban didn't mean to trick Jacob at first uh, when he promised him the seven promised him Rachel after seven years. 
But after seeing how much God blessed him because of Jacob, that's probably at the point at which, oh, he decides, if I trick him into marrying Leah, then I can get his service for another seven years. Uh, the Bible doesn't specifically tell us what Laban's motivation was, but it, it seems likely. So <clears throat> Jacob works for another seven years. The New King James says, uh, Rachel's weak. Uh, he, he served Laban for a week. Well, again, in the Hebrew, the word seven and the word weak are the same word. So anytime you see the word week and week, uh, like a you know a calendar week, Monday through or Sunday through Saturday, that kind of week, not weak like not strong. Anytime you see that in the scripture, and it's kind of in a context where you're like, oh, what what is that? That doesn't really make sense there. Well, you can always kind of replace it with the number seven. Oh yeah, okay. When he fulfilled her her week, her seven years, uh, then he also received Rachel. Now, however, we have a problem because Leah knows that Jacob loves Rachel and doesn't love her. And so the two sisters kind of fight and argue with each other for Jacob's affection. And you, again, you see that same attitude of Jacob and, and Esau fighting and not learning to get along. And now that's reflected in Leah and, and Rachel. And instead of, and obviously this is not a good situation, uh, this is a sinful situation. God is very clear from the beginning of Scripture that <clears throat> marriage is to be between a man and a woman, one man and one woman. Uh, the Bible doesn't, God doesn't specifically call Jacob out on this sin, but that doesn't mean that God's okay with it. Uh, that's a mistake sometimes people make. They're like, well, Jacob had more than one wife, David had more than one wife, and, you know, there's other people in Scripture that had more than one wife. And say, and God doesn't strike them down. Uh, therefore, God must be okay with it. It must be okay, and that's just wrong thinking. Uh, God does not stop, take the time to tell us every single time that we sin, every time, every single time that we do something wrong. Not even in Scripture does He do that. If He did that, well, <clears throat> we would all have died out long ago if, if God punished us for every every single sin. Uh, God, in His mercy and grace, overlooks this sin on Jacob's part and deals with him in grace anyway. It's a sinful situation. <clears throat> Nevertheless, Leah and Rachel, you know, should have made the best of it and, and learned how to uh, get along in a loving way. But instead, they, they compete for Jacob's affection, causing more problems. Uh, Jacob uh, reflects the attitude of his own parents. Uh, remember how Rebecca and Isaac each had their favorite child, and that caused the the fighting between Jacob and Esau. And now we're going to see that Jacob does the same thing. He has his favorite wife. He has his favorite son, uh, especially when we get to the story of Joseph, which actually we did last year, didn't we? Uh, then we really see how, how all the problems that this causes. Uh, so they, they start to compete, and, and God has compassion on Leah because she's unloved. He gives to Leah four children, uh, and he closes Rachel's womb so that she has none. So then Rachel feels slighted and unloved and upset, and uh, she gives her maidservant to Jacob, and Jacob has two children by her maidservant, Bilhah, and uh, then Leah's like, oh, well, <clears throat> well if, if Rachel can do that, I can do that too, and she gives her maidservant to Jacob, and Jacob has two, uh, so, two more sons through Leah's maidservant, Zilpah, and then finally God opens Rachel's womb and she has two sons as well. So all in all, there were 
six sons through Leah and one daughter, uh, Dinah. There may have been other daughters, but Dinah is the only one who's mentioned by name, and uh, she comes up later again, and so that's why she's mentioned here, because she she has another part to play, so to speak. So Leah has six sons. Uh, Zil, um, Bilhah, Rachel's maidservant, has two. Zilpah, Leah's maidservant has two, and then Rachel herself has two, with a total of 12 sons. And it's probably worth it to have the kids sit down, especially the older kids, maybe not the younger kids, have the kids sit down and write out a, a kind of a family tree of Jacob. Okay, here are the four wives and all the sons uh, that came from each of them. The 12 sons of Jacob, of course, are very important throughout Scripture, and so it's good for the children to be familiar with, with who they are. Like I said, especially the older kids, maybe not the preschool kids, but or you could probably do a craft uh, with the preschool kids about that. So uh, now Laban still doesn't want uh, Jacob to leave because he knows that God is blessing him through Jacob again. So how can I get you to stay? Uh, name your own wages. And Jacob says, oh, okay, all the, the spotted sheep, uh, they'll be mine. Whenever, whenever sheep give birth, all the spotted lambs will be mine. And Laban agrees to this right away because not that many sheep are going to be born uh, in this way, especially in that uh, culture. Uh, they, they weren't, it wasn't the common thing. But when that's, the, when that's the price for Jacob, God himself blesses the offspring and causes them to be born, many of them to be born that way, so that Jacob is growing more and more wealthy and Laban is growing poorer and poorer because all the lambs are being born speckled. Now, in, in chapter 31 of Genesis, we find out that Laban, because of this, actually changed Jacob's wages 10 times. So all the lambs were being born speckled, and Laban says, okay, well, no, you can have the striped ones, not the speckled ones. Well, then all the lambs started to be born uh, striped, and then uh, Jacob said, well, you can have the brown ones or something like that, and or Laban said, you can have the brown ones, and then all the lambs started to be born brown. So whatever Laban changed the wages to, that's what all the lambs began to be, to be born. And in Genesis uh, chapter 30, we hear about, well, uh, Joseph... Uh, takes some rods of green poplar and, and he strips them and puts them in the water whenever the strong sheep are are drinking and so supposedly that's why uh, their lambs are born striped that of course is is nonsense uh, lambs aren't born striped just because the water that their parents are drinking has a, a branch in it that's striped um, Jacob probably think I mean again that's Jacob thinking he can handle things on his own, thinking, oh, this is how I can make sure I, I get my wages, uh, instead of just, you know, accepting the wages he got and trusting trusting God. But nonetheless, God caused them to be born. However, whatever they were supposed, whatever Jacob was supposed to be received, that's how most of the sheep were, were being born. And so Jacob grew exceedingly prosperous, and Laban grew poor and poor, until the point at which Laban's sons are getting kind of angry, because their wealth is almost gone and Jacob uh, this distant cousin well he's getting all the wealth that should have gone to them and Laban's becoming angry as well and so Jacob does finally have to flee with his wives and his sons and his all of his flock and so he does run away again this is a family dynamic that isn't great <laughs> uh, but 
there is no perfect family. We certainly know in our own lives the, the problems uh, that we have in our families. And we might think when growing up or we might think, well, I wish, you know, I was a part of that family. That family looks <laughs> better than my family. But we all we all have our problems. We all live in sin. And we need to not do what Jacob and Jacob's wives did and constantly fight and try and get the upper hand over one another. Jacob was trying to get trying to constantly get the upper hand over Laban. Laban was trying to constantly trying to get the upper hand over Jacob. Uh, Rachel and Leah were going back and forth, but instead we have to learn how to love and forgive and, and grow in that love and forgiveness as a family. Yet when we don't, we know how Jesus loved and forgave us and being part of Jesus's family, we have his forgiveness and he promises to take us out of this sinful world so that uh, we go up to heaven where we finally will learn how to not fight with our, our siblings any longer, right? Lord's blessings on your Sunday school lesson. Uh, give me a, a call or an email if you have any questions.